Hey there, and welcome to the Glow Getter Podcast. I'm Lissa Yannick, a therapist turned life coach and two-time cancer thriver. But mostly, I'm just like you. I want to pursue a happier, more vibrant life every single day. From mindsets that transform adversity into opportunity to attainable life hacks that motivate and inspire, here we'll learn together how to live big, bold, and free. Hello, and welcome back to the Glow Getter Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about my cancer diagnosis, my cancer story, and some of the recommendations I have for those of you who are um, either experiencing these things or a loved one is experiencing these things, just some simple recommendations that really made a big difference for me and my cancer experience. So I was first diagnosed in January 2016 with stage 3A triple negative breast cancer. I was 27 at the time, and I discovered the cancer myself through uh, monthly exams. My family doctor growing up really strongly recommended that I would be, you know, checking monthly, doing a monthly exam. And she's, I remember her pursuing that conversation when I was man, I want to say I was 21. Um, And she said, you know, are you doing monthly exams? Do you know how to do monthly exams? And I was like, "Uh, no, I'm 21. Turns out she was right because year after year I found nothing. But when I was 27, I found something. And I had done the exam the month before in December. There was nothing, at least nothing notable. And then January 2016, I found something very concerning that was large. Um, I have no family history of breast cancer that we know of. No no genetic indicators, BRCA, one or two. So it was really completely out of left field. Uh, I started chemotherapy in February of 2016. I had my port placement surgery and then I started chemotherapy. I will be sharing some details during this episode that some of you listening might not think are important, but for those of you listening who are going through the cancer experience, I think that the details are really important because I know I was searching for them. So I had my port placed in my chest, not my arm, and I'm I and I liked having the port placement on my chest because the arm is a little more I've never had it in my arm but it just seemed like it would be less comfortable. I don't even notice the port in my chest. So um by chest I mean uh, right under my clavicle on the left side. I started carboplatin and taxol in February 2016 and then moved on to the adriamycin cytoxin. So I had a total of six months on chemo. Um, Overall, chemo was not what I expected. I didn't think it was nearly as terrible as other people had mentioned. And I'm always really hesitant to share too much or too little of my story, but I feel like this is my, um, this is kind of my space. And so if it's too much for you, please stop the episode. Um, but I, I really think it's important to be honest about the experience. I find like there is a lot of exaggeration and then there's also a lot of like 
kind of downplaying it. And so I'm, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. Chemo was not nearly as bad as I thought. I imagine myself constantly nauseous, vomiting regularly, waking up in the middle of the night sick. And honestly, I did. I don't think that first time before my re-diagnosis, I don't think I vomited once on chemo. I felt sort of seasick for like three days after, but it was totally, totally manageable. So I did not think it was bad. Although my first round of adriamycin cytoxin, I did end up severely neutropenic and I ended up spending the night in the hospital. Um, actually, I feel like it was three days. <laughs> this is what happens. You're like, wait a second. I think it was two nights, maybe three nights in the hospital. And Jay and I kind of joke around because that's like one, <laughs> one of our date nights that we talk about all the time that actually ended up being super fun was I had neutropenia and honestly, I felt awful. I knew something was wrong and Jay knew something was wrong because I fell asleep. We had like an event earlier that day that I was speaking at and I came home and laid, I felt awful the whole ride home. And I came home and I laid down on the floor and just fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, I felt horrible and took my temperature and Jay was like, we got to go to the hospital. So, um, but while in the hospital, we had a really great date night where we watched, uh, what's that movie? Zootopia. On Jay's computer, he got like food from the vending machine and it was honestly such a fun night. So we joke around, we call that like our penthouse night. Cause like Somehow we ended up in like the best room in the hospital that overlooked the city. And it ended up being like, I mean, I wouldn't go through it again, but it wasn't that bad. Um, so yes, ended up with neutropenia on the first round of adriamycin cytoxin. Um, I think what might've happened was the new Lasta shot. I, it was the automatic one. And I don't know if it like fully worked or something. I'm not sure. Other people have had the automatic ones and it worked just fine for them, but I ended up coming in for my new Lasta shot regularly after treatment just to make sure that didn't happen again. And I was totally fine um, making sure that was in place. So after chemo, I had surgery in September of 2016. I opted to do the bilateral mastectomy and had direct placement of expanders. I was hoping for direct placement of implants at the time, um, but my plastic surgeon going in was pretty open about, you know, if there wasn't enough skin left or whatever, you would not be able to get the direct implants. So I could not get the direct implants, which ended up being fine. It wasn't really a big deal. I had the direct placement of expanders. I was very, very oh. nervous. If you hear barking, it's, it's Ollie. I think probably the postman's here. Um, I was very nervous about what I was going to wake up to post-surgery because I had seen images that women had posted and I was truly like just very anxious to take off the bandages when I got home. And I can tell you, honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. It was just kind of like a scar, like down the center of the breast. And that was it. So 
not bad at all, but the surgery itself kind of threw me for a mental loop. I, I thought chemo would be the worst and I was surprised that surgery really took me for a loop. I kept myself pretty mentally grounded during chemo by just continuing with the things that made me feel like me and exercising, walking. We only had Ollie at the time, walking Ollie, like just being on the go as much as I could within reason, going to the pool. And I surgery, I couldn't do any of those things. I couldn't walk the dog. We had to hire a dog walker. And I was in a really, it was really hard for me. I remember distinctly my 28th birthday as just really the lowest point, I think, um, for me during that time, there was something about feeling this tension of like, I should, should, which is always a sign that, you know, you're kind of forcing something or guilting yourself into something. I should be grateful to be alive right now. I should be over the top for my birthday, but I just feel so sad. And I remember sitting on our old brown couch with my pink cape cod sweatshirt (laughs) and Ollie was on my lap and I remember just crying into his fur and like my phone was ringing and texts were coming in. People were wishing me happy birthday and I was just so sad. Um, So I tell people that because it actually wasn't the physical part of surgery that was so hard for me. It was the mental part because I had to stop all the habits that kept me healthy for so long. And um, it was very, very hard. I had a hard time. I felt so bad. Like our dog walker would come and I had a hard time. Like (laughs) I was just so upset. Like him walking with Ollie. It was almost like that feeling of like, don't have too much fun without me. (laughs) So um, that was a really, really tough, tough road of it. But I can say that was the worst out of all my cancer experience. That was the hardest. So um, I did end up getting an infection in the left um, side. And in November, 2016, the day after the election, I remember (laughs) I was fighting my way through the city to the other side of the city to have my left side looked at. And I did have an infection. Um, I had to have it removed immediately. And I had actually just started radiation. So I also had 32 rounds of radiation. And I remember being like, I'm not missing radiation. So wheel me back, give me my radiation, then take me back for surgery. (laughs) Then I was back the next day for uh, more radiation. So uh, the removal was no big deal. I was a little bit nervous about it, but it was after the first surgery, but it was totally fine. Um, Radiation also, I thought was like, honestly, pretty easy. The hardest part I thought was having to drive myself to the hospital every day for like 32 days in the middle of our busy season, like at work, because it was November, all of December. So, uh, or like right until right before Christmas. And um, we had just taken over the restaurant my husband had, Jay. So it was our busy season. And I was like, okay, well, and, and I happened to get 
like assigned the radiation time that was over the lunch rush. And like Jay has been so supportive. He was at, I mean, he took over this restaurant and I was diagnosed like almost immediately after. And it's, it's a really hard transition um, anyway. And so he was at everything with me, you know, going to chemo with me. And I was like, dude, like, don't come to radiation with me. I can drive myself. It'll be fine. It's over lunch rush. Like, you know, and we were kind of pushing for a sales goal at the restaurant at the time. And so I was like, I want, like, I want you to be able to be there. And, uh, so anyway, drove myself the radiation. Sometimes I would come back to the mall and get lunch or, um, the restaurant Jay's first restaurant was in the mall. And so I would come back to the mall and get lunch or sample or whatever. Cause we or take a catering order. Cause we were trying to hit the sales goal. So, which we did hit, which was so exciting anyway. So I had a little breather. I could have really replaced the expander. I think they said like six months after it was removed, but I was just like drained from surgeries. And I, I couldn't even think about going back for more. <laughs> so I didn't get the expander replaced until March, 2018. Super easy surgery, no big deal. The port I also got removed at that time. Um, again, that was like easy peasy, no worries. There was really limited even recovery for that. I felt like it was pretty in and out, pretty easy. Um, so I kind of cruised along for, for two and a half years. I did during that time really make a lot of personal changes that I'll just touch on briefly. And then I'll probably, if you're interested, do another episode on these things. But I started meeting with a naturopath and he is incredible. I kind of fell off meeting with him when I was re-diagnosed, mainly because I was so overwhelmed. Um, but I, he working with him, like changed the way I viewed my body. I, he helped me monitor my blood work and know how to fuel my body. Well, he also, even though I had already gotten tested for the MTHFR genetic mutation really told me like, Hey, I really think you have this. I'm noticing these like patterns in your blood work. And I was like, I already got tested for that. And he said, you know, you got to do the saliva test just to make sure. And sure enough, I had that mutation. And so he just was so critical in empowering me to know how to best take care of my body and support it like post-cancer. So the naturopath, amazing. I also uh, continue to meet with an acupuncturist. I meet with an acupuncturist. Uh, I think I started in 2017. Love, cannot recommend acupuncture enough. Acupuncture, I am convinced is the reason that I have fared so well on so many treatments. I notice when it's time to go back, I can feel my body sort of backsliding for me. It's stomach upset or waking up in the middle of the night. Um, sometimes irritability and acupuncture is seriously incredible. Like I, I cannot recommend it enough. I go once a month around once a month. I think at one point I was going every six weeks it's just based on how my body is doing. So, but what amazes me, I think the most about acupuncture is my acupuncturist will like call me out on stuff that there's no way that she would know. Like, she'll be like, so how's your, you know, diet doing? Like, what have you been eating? And it's like, 
around Christmas time, it's like mm, a little more sugar, a little more wine. And she's like, got to ratchet it back. <laughs> she's like, it's, it's showing up. So anyway, amazing. Other things I've done, I take specific supplements, um, which again, talk to your doctor. I found when I met with my naturopath, he was so helpful to like wean it down because I was reading books and finding information. And it was a lot. I was basically just thinking it can't hurt, you know, and he was like, okay, but let's like do the things that really will help you the most. So he did that and helped me figure out supplements. The main thing, if I could recommend again, not a doctor, talk to your doctor. But if I had to pick like supplements that are non-negotiable, one probiotic every morning on an empty stomach, wait 30 minutes. I mean, probiotics are incredible for your body. Your gut health is so essential. I can't remember the study, but there was something, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but there is a study my naturopath was sharing with me that for typical SSRIs that you take to increase like serotonin levels, they can increase, I think it was like 20 or 27% in your serotonin levels. If you take a probiotic, I think it said like 40%. Do not quote me on that. Definitely look it up. But there was a difference and it was notable, which is wild. Uh, frankincense, also a non-negotiable for me. I also recently started taking holy basil. Mind-blowing how different I feel when I'm taking holy basil. Um, I also take, you know, a multivitamin, other things, but I would say those are like my heavy hitters. I feel like I'm probably forgetting something important, but th those are what come to mind. Uh, exercise, I move my body 20 to 30 minutes every single day. And I'm also really intentional with incorporating yoga three times a week. I do regular vinyasa yoga Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then Sundays I do yin yoga which is my favorite. I love yin. Um, meditation. I meditate every day for five minutes. And then I've made a lot of changes to my diet. I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. Um, just what feels best on my diet, how I fare the best. I tried plant-based um, and I really overall felt good on plant-based, but I needed more protein, more clean proteins. My body just like I think I'm a, I have the type of body that just needs meats. So, um, I do have like clean meats. I love chicken and fish. Don't eat a lot of red meats at all. Um, I just don't really like them that much either. Like once in a while, but very rarely. Um, so I've really worked to clean up my diet, mostly just taking out processed foods, taking out like white breads and moving into more like whole, whole grains. Uh, what else have I done diet wise? A lot more greens. Um, if you can hear Ollie, I apologize. He's, he's in rare form today, but this is real life. You guys. Okay. Now the next thing that happened in my cancer journey is I was re-diagnosed in February 19 after what was supposed to be my final scans. And it was truly heart-wrenching. So my doctor had me monitoring cancer and monitoring my body 
uh, I started out doing scans every six months and then I moved to scans once a year. Um, and my doctor, when I had this set of scans in February, 2019, my doctor said, okay, these are your last scans, you know, get through this and you are cleared, you know, I'll still meet with you regularly, you know, but you don't need to have as frequent scans. I went in, I'll never forget it. I was at work and I was in between clients. I saw my doctor was calling. I answered the phone so hopeful because I'd been feeling so good. And she said, are you at home? And I knew that it was not good news. And I was like, no, I'm at work. I'm in between clients. She said, call me when you get home. And I was like, honestly, please just tell me, tell me now. Like I can't take, I can't take waiting. And, um, she told me that there was a lymph node that looked too large in my left, my left supraclavicular node. So I went to get a biopsied and it's a rare node to have, have enlarged. Uh, but I told myself, you know, it could be nothing. I went to the trampoline park with Jay. I thought maybe my limb system was backed up. We'd been traveling. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to try to just get my lymph system flowing. And the biopsy came back and she called and um, Jay and I were sitting in our living room and she said, your cancer's back. And it, I was like, okay, you know, um, is this considered a recurrence because it's not in any organs? And because my cancer had originally uh, been discovered on the right side and into a few lymph nodes in the armpit area, she said, no, this is considered stage four because it has spread to the opposite side. And I was like, okay, you know, just trying to gather the information. Jay and I were devastated, truly devastated. I mean, you it's, it's that feeling of you think you've run a marathon and that you're to the end of it, and you discover that you have to start all over again. That's what it felt like. Um, I said, what do I have to do next? And I'll never forget her saying to me, well, we're gonna do chemo. And I just thought, again, like chemo again? It was so truly just so heartbreaking. I can't even put words on it. Um, so I had to make some really, really hard decisions over that month. Um, I ultimately decided I had to get really serious about controlling my stress. And as much as I loved the people I was working with, therapy was very stressful for me to be working in that industry. And so I had to sit down with all of my clients. And I think it was probably 35 to 40 at the time and tell them I, uh, you know, my cancer is back. A lot of them didn't even know that I had cancer, but I didn't want to lie to them because we live in a city that's kind of like a small town. And it was important to me. I think you build trust with people and I'm not going to lie. Um, and so it was so hard. That was 
the hardest two weeks of my life. I think that's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, to try to be grounded and still have a therapy session, work for someone else, but be going through so much turmoil. It was so hard. Um, so I just had to tell them, you know, my doctor's really optimistic, but I have to step away from private practice for my health. And I don't think I'm going to be back. Um, I had to transfer them all to new people, to new providers. And it was just truly so hard, you know, in the, in between patients, I'm, you know, driving to my doctors to sign paperwork for the new treatment I need to start like the following week and getting port, my port put back in and all of this like chaos and trying to show up and still like, I have an ethical obligation and I, and not even just ethical, just a personal obligation. So, um, dang, that was hard. And but I don't, I don't regret that decision. I think it was necessary for my health. And I was already making moves into coaching, which I'll talk about in another episode. But so the, it turned, the more information we got for treatment that it turned out that node actually could not be removed because of its placement. It was like wrapped around the um, jugular vein. So I, you know, we were riding, praying real hard for the dysentric and the abraxane to work. So I ended up doing a, a chemo immunotherapy combo. So I did abraxane to help just really get the cancer under control in combination with dysentric, which is an immunotherapy that was approved just a month before my rediagnosis. Actually, not even a month. I think it was a week. A week before my rediagnosis, the FDA approved Tocentric, and my doctor fought hard to get it for me. And um, insurance didn't want to cover it. They said I wasn't far enough along to even qualify for chemotherapy, which is wild because triple negative is a notoriously aggressive breast cancer, and it's hard to treat. Once it gets out of control, it's like it's like a weed that's like really, really hard to uproot. So my doctor was like, no, you need immunotherapy, you need chemo, we're going to get it for you. And she fought hard and, and managed to get it for me. So I spent two years total on Tocentric. And um, again, I feel so fortunate. I did. So this time around, I, my hair thinned. I didn't lose it completely until the very end of the Abraxane. And it was really thin. But I just like couldn't emotionally deal with losing my hair again. <laughs> so I was using all kinds of things to try to like elongate my hair, hats, this um, topic spray, all kinds of things. Eventually at the end, I had to like cut it off. It was just really like thin, but uh, it did hang in there for quite some time. So I do have just some tips for each step of the way. So I have a few tips for chemo, radiation, surgery, and general tips. So in terms of chemo, what I would say, look up tutorials on YouTube for styling scarves. I did have a really beautiful wig that I wore for like important things, weddings and things like that. But I found day to day, I was more comfortable in a scarf, which is surprising because if you knew me before I was diagnosed, I loved styling my hair like 
with braids and different curling irons and everything. I mean, I, I love doing my hair, but I was just more comfortable in scarves. I also, when you're going to chemo, cute athleisure is key. So you still feel cute, but you need to be comfortable. Comfort is the most important thing for chemo. I also recommend layers. I get a hot flash every single time my port is accessed. So it's nice to have some layers so I don't I don't have to sit there just hot. Uh, shoes that are easy to slide on and off so you can get comfortable. In the summer, I wear sandals. In the winter, I liked like Uggs. Um, I also recommend always having on you for chemo days headphones and a portable charger because I would blow through my like iPhone battery because you're just on your phone so much. Uh, Pre-COVID, I loved bringing like a lunch bag with me. Now I still bring a lunch bag, or I did up until I finished treatment last week, which is wild, or two weeks ago. Uh, I would pack like snacks and stuff. So now I just would leave it in my car. But it's you are hungry. You're there for a long time, so you leave pretty hungry. I loved when chemo was the toughest. So that was for the adriamycin cytoxin. Uh, combo, my first diagnosis, I loved having like a fun show to watch to look forward to and like chemo specific food. So I was very gracious with myself when I was recovering from chemo. I had bagels, cereal, just like comfort foods. And then the rest of the time I tried to eat pretty clean, but my stomach was just really upset. It was hard for me to like, I had smoothies a lot too. Um, so, and the other thing that I found so helpful, and I have this theory, and I think there's some studies that support it, but I'm not confident. I don't want to say that here, but I think if you go for a walk after each treatment, even if it's just like down the street or to your mailbox, I think you fare better on chemo. And I actually feel like I read something about how it helps the chemo to like work better. So I have stuck with that all the way through all of my treatments. I walk or I exercise after my treatment. Um, two radiation tips. The first one is I, there's this cream that I found through someone on Instagram, Megan, she recommended Canicare cream and it was incredible. I started out in the beginning and I felt like, you know, the nurses were a little skeptical. By the end, they were like, what are you using? Because your skin doesn't even hardly look burned or like at all. So Canicare, I will pop it that in the show notes. Also, I think it's important for the radiation. You're spending a lot of time in the car. So you want to download some good audiobooks or music. For me, the Hamilton soundtrack will always be radiation for me. Like I would roll into the parking garage, Hamilton full blast, and it was awesome. Uh, surgery tips, my first, I only have two, but it, the, it's really important. Definitely request the scope patch for nausea. When I had my first surgery, um, I did not know about it and I got super nauseous afterwards, but every other time I had the scope patch on, I felt so much better after. So it's definitely worth asking. I also, when I was recovering from surgery, I loved having something comforting from home. And 
I had a blanket and then my husband brought um, and packed in my bag my zippy, like my childhood stuffed animal that I just like keep in my closet. And it was like so comforting to have him, which yes, was I 27 years old? I was, but you know, I just felt like that comfort. Like I think when you're going through something that's really hard, we sort of revert to our like childhood state. And so it was really comforting to have Zippy. I remember like looking at him in, in my bag and like just feeling so emotional that Jay brought him for me. So um, general tips. One, do things that still make you feel like you. So I found great joy. Like during chemo and surgery, I would go to Starbucks and I would read. And I liked walking around Marshall's. I like taking the dogs for a walk. We still took some travel. Like, I think it's so important to do things that still feel like you and not let cancer completely just take over your identity. Then the other thing is, this might sound kind of pessimistic, but I think it's important for every step of the way to just expect one bump in the road. Like, know that it's coming. And that way, when it happens, you're not surprised. So, and I and I think that held true for my experience, you know, when I had chemo, I had um, the neutropenia, then surgery, I had the infection. And I just, I wasn't as frustrated by it because I knew I, I expected it almost. So I think it's healthy to just expect one bump in the road and just know that that's normal. So hopefully this is helpful. I know this is this wasn't the most engaging or inspiring episode, but I find people ask these questions and I think it's so helpful to have everything in one place so that someone can just listen to this in the car or refer to it when they want to. And even like pause it, you know, if you're going through surgery, you're not ready for radiation information, like pause it. So hopefully this was helpful. I'm so grateful for you guys being here. If you have any questions, please reach out to me. And uh, I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Well, that was fun. Want to dive deeper together? To learn more about working one-on-one or get my complimentary golden guide, check out my website at lissyannick.com. To see what I'm up to on the daily, find me on Insta at lissyannick. Until next time, let's glow.